0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Go ahead. So for the last uh, few weeks that I've been speaking here, uh, I've been talking about some of the challenges for us as we try to bring mindfulness to our um, present moment experience. There are some particularly challenging energies that tend to take us out of the present moment. I mean, we're all familiar with this, right? We sit down into meditation and then whew, our mind goes out. And it can go out for a variety of reasons. You know, It can, it can um, go out because it's interested in something else, like we're sitting here paying attention to the breathing, and then there 's a, a sound, and the mind gets interested in that it 's like oh what 's that sound that 's a I like that sound that bird what is that bird? so you know we, we might kind of go out because of sense um, sense interest in sense um, so sense pleasure, sense desire might pull us away from the present moment, or we might come out of being present because um, we don 't like something in the present moment, we experience something. Uh, A pain in our body and then the mind starts kind of Grinching around that pain in the body and we find ourselves not present for what's actually going on instead we're kind of arguing with ourselves about something or um, or trying to decide what to do about something or try to fix or change something or we might um, be sitting here in meditation and just feel so sleepy that we just drop into sleep and Again, you know, that taking us out of the present moment. Or we might um, find our mind kind of restless and agitated about something, unable to really settle here and now because it's, it's kind of jumping around. It might be jumping around to things we did yesterday, things we want to do tomorrow. Just not, again, not able to be here now. Or we might be pulled out of the present moment by a quality of confusion or uncertainty. Um, A sense of, um, what should I be doing? Is this the right meditation practice for me? Or should I be doing some other kind? Or should I be walking instead of sitting right now? Or... Or uh, I don't understand what's happening here, or you know some again l- leaving what's actually happening in the present moment to get more involved in um, kind of a story. Uh, the the our, our world of thoughts tends to be the place where we're, uh we end up lost. We can also actually be lost in other things. We can we can um, you know be paying attention with mindfulness and awareness to our breath and then suddenly get pulled into sound and it's like, it's not that we're thinking about the sound but we're also not really consciously aware of that so we can get pulled into senses in that way Um, and that's um, uh, that's not bringing the mindfulness to it So there's a distinction between, like, being lost in our experience and being awake to our experience. Often, quite often, lost is related to um, thinking. But not always. So I just wanted to, to put that out there. So the Buddha talked about these different ways of getting pulled out of the present moment. He collected them together in a particular list. And he called this list the hindrances. Um, They tend to, he calls them the hindrances because they tend to hinder, to get in the way of our ability to be present, to be able to settle our minds in um, collectedness, to have our minds kind of come together where it feels like a wholeness of presence, presence. So these, he highlighted these energies, these particular uh, states, as being um, things that it's helpful to become aware of and get to know. He actually talked about be bringing mindfulness itself to these difficult energies. And the names that he he gave to these, I described them in, uh, in terms of how they impact us, But he gave names to each one. The five energies are sense desire, ill will, sloth and torpor, restlessness, and doubt. So these these tend to kind of get in our way and pull us out of the present moment. He talked about the possibility of, I mean, we we might, hearing their hindrances, think, well, we just need to get rid of them. And there is a teaching about um, letting go, abandoning these hindrances but the, it comes in a larger context, and so I want to explore that larger context with you a little bit, particularly around the hindrance of restlessness, because that's the one that we are at this week. I've talked about the others in other weeks, and so restlessness is the one that I'd like to explore today. But the kind of framework that I'm going to use to describe it applies to all of them. You know, it, it, we can we can bring our mindful attention to these difficult energies. If we are aware that this sense of, I don't like this, this sense of aversion is happening in the present moment, we're not lost in aversion. So it's not taking us out of the present moment. If we're aware of the restless mind as a phenomenon, as just, oh the mind feels restless right now and be completely aware of what that experience is of the mind feeling like it's all jumpy or perhaps the body there's bodily restlessness and mental restlessness so the body can feel like it's got jumping beans under your skin it's just like you can't sit still it's so unpleasant this jumpy feeling You know, that's a restlessness of body. And if we, you know, often that feeling just kind of yanks us out of the present moment. It's like, I can't sit still for this. i got to go do something else. And we're lost. We're not present. It is possible to actually be present for these difficult, often unpleasant experiences. So the physicality of restlessness we can be present for. We can be present for our mind kind of feeling like it's jumpy. So, this, um, um, this notion of being present for the mind feeling like it's jumpy, now that's, that stretches our idea of what it means to be mindful. Because often what we think of as mindfulness is being, you know, staying with one thing. We think of what it means to be mindful as I'm with the breaths. And the longer I can stay with the breath, the more mindful I am. And that becomes our definition of mindfulness. It becomes what we think of as mindfulness, staying with one thing for a long time. Well, that's actually the definition of concentration. Mindfulness, we can stay mindful. We can be aware while the mind does the mind experiences or picks up on many different experiences. So we can be here sitting, uh, aware of experience and be aware of sound. And then a moment later, be aware of a body sensation. And then a moment later, aware of dryness in the mouth. And a moment later, an arising of confusion. And then a moment later, a a, a sense of happiness coming over us. And it can change that fast. And if we're not... um, understanding that mindfulness can take in a flow of changing experience, we might think, oh, my mind is just all over the place. We might interpret that as restlessness. So the uh, the mind can be aware of a flow of many experiences. And so as we become aware of a mind that is jumping around, to me it feels like, kind of an energetic feeling of the mind, go, kind of going, oh, oh, what about that, what about that, what about that, what about that? Just kind of jumping, kind of a, a jumpy, in, internal jumpy quality of mind. And I can know that, oh, the mind feels jumpy. This is what it feels like to be in jumpy mind. So that, um, that possibility exists. If I know that I'm sitting here with a mind that feels like it's jumpy, I'm present for that. I'm aware of that. The mind is not lost. The mind is not thinking about it. It is knowing it. It is experiencing it. And so when we can bring awareness to these challenging states of sense desire, of ill will, of sleepiness, sloth and torpor, of restlessness and of doubt, when we can actually know, oh, this is what's happening right now. Not liking is happening right now. Sleepiness is happening right now. Confusion is happening right now. When we can know that these states of mind are no longer functioning as hindrances. So they don't, we don't need to even think about them as hindrances that way. You know, they're just, oh, it's just another thing happening in our minds. We need to take care with these energies because they so easily slip. We can maybe sit there for a moment, oh yeah, doubt is happening, oh, restlessness is happening, restlessness is happening, oh, and then the mind kind of goes off, oh, but what about that, and that, and that, and that, and we're suddenly out. So these these energies are useful to get familiar with, because they tend to take us out. But we don't have to have a combative relationship with them when they're happening, if we're mindful of them, because we can cultivate our mindfulness, we can cultivate our stability of mind, our steadiness, our collecting of attention can be cultivated while while these states of mind are happening. So we don't have to have an idea that, oh, if restlessness is happening, this means that I'm a bad meditator, or if restlessness is happening, it means that I'm not doing it right somehow. If restlessness is happening and you're aware that restlessness is happening... That's all that needs to happen. If restlessness is happening and you're aware that restlessness is happening, you're doing it just right. Just that simple awareness is cultivating. It, it does a couple of things for us. I mean, one of the beautiful things about mindfulness is that it's got, these, um, it's got this um, property or quality that when we're aware... Mindful, non-reactive. So when we bring a non-reactive presence of mind to something challenging like restlessness or ill will, when we bring that kind of non-reactive mindfulness to that state, well, first thing that happens is we we generally get familiar with the, the feeling of that experience. We get familiar with what it feels like to be Restless, or we get feeling of what it feels like to have this this ill will, and we, we begin to see that for some of these hindrances in particular, when we are caught in that experience, it feels off. it feels you know, there's a, there's a, there can be an unpleasantness at times to some of those experiences. Restlessness in particular has an unpleasant quality. And that's part of where we leap. That's part of why we leap out of the present moment. It doesn't feel good, and so we immediately move to trying to fix or to change. But then we can begin to recognize, oh, okay, here, this, I can be with this. And actually we begin to see in our exploration of what is this actual experience, we start to see that the mind's reactivity, the mental machinations, the thinking about the... the, how can I get this thing or get rid of this thing? Or I don't like this restlessness. It's, you know, all of the mental reactivity around these states makes things way more uncomfortable for us. And so we begin to see, okay, can I be with this just as it is? Just this experience of restlessness. So we we start to um, explore that. The mind begins to... Um, uh, recognize how it's kind of heading us in, the, in a direction of more struggle when we are embroiled in those states. And so the mind begins to let go because we recognize that. The mindfulness brings in this quality of recognizing um, the, the embroilment and how it feels heavy and not essentially not conducive to well-being. And so the the mind seeing with mindfulness that certain states are not leading us towards ease, towards peace, towards calm, towards collectedness begins to let go of those difficulties. Because there's a kind of inherent gravitation in our system towards well-being. And we uh, you know, we basically fundamentally misunderstand. We, we overlay a lot of ideas about how we might have well-being. And uh, those ideas actually, um, those ideas actually hook us into the patterns that tend to keep us embroiled. So we think that by getting what we want, getting rid of what we don't want, that we're trying to help ourselves have more happiness and well-being. But we're actually hooking ourselves to these patterns of getting rid of, of believing that I need to get rid of, that this feeling of getting rid of is something I have to do something about, or this feeling of needing to have something, or this feeling of restlessness means I need to do something. We're, we're buying into that. We buy into that in our normal way of being. And this exploration of mindfulness is like, well, how about what happens if I just allow it and watch it? What happens then? So it's kind of trying to approach it from a completely different direction. And what we begin to see is that as we do have this non-reactive mindfulness for these difficult states, they tend to disappear. They tend to diminish And what's more, we're cultivating, with mindfulness, we're cultivating um, a state that creates the conditions for these difficult states to happen to us less and less. Whereas in our normal state, where we're acting on, buying into these difficulties, embroiling ourselves in these difficulties, in our normal state, we're actually reinforcing these patterns that keep us tied to the embroiling. So the mindfulness is kind of a different approach. And it, uh, when we bring a non-reactive attention to things that we would not normally think of just hanging out with, we begin to see it allows them to let go without actually having to do much about it often, not always, at times we do need to take action, but there's a lot more of what happens in our experience that we can simply allow and it will kind of just like, oh, there's that thing, oh, I don't like that, okay, well, there's that not liking, and oh, and then the mind goes on to something else, and that not liking is gone, and there's something else happening, and it's like, okay, well, I didn't need to do anything about that, that's already gone. So the the mindfulness has this amazing power, this capacity to um, encourage the release of these difficult energies. It encourages them to let go, just by their nature, because they're just phenomena that are cycling through. If we just hang out with them they'll pass, something else will come. So they, they tend to, the mindfulness tends to allow these difficulties to release and it also creates the conditions for them to appear less in the future because our minds begin to understand these, this embroiling thing isn't a happy place to be. And the mind begins to recognize that and it, it inclines to not follow that embroiling as it sees it happening because it knows it's heading towards dissatisfaction, it's heading towards struggle it's heading towards a feeling of off of dukkha, of non-well-being the other great piece about mindfulness is that well not only does it help to release these difficulties and create the conditions for them to no, not appear so much in our, um, in our lives but when we do the same thing for beautiful states of mind, for kindness, compassion, generosity, mindfulness itself, concentration, balance of mind, equanimity. When we allow, when we recognize with this kind of same balanced, non-reactive attention, these beautiful states of mind, mindfulness creates the conditions for them to appear more frequently. It nourishes them. So mindfulness is simultaneously, it's like the perfect, if you're using a gardening analogy, you know it's like the perfect thing you can put on your garden. It both encourages the flowers and the beautiful healthy things to grow and it eliminates the weeds. It does both in one. So it's, a, it's an amazing quality of mind. So when we can be mindful, when we can bring a quality of mindfulness to our difficulties, we can know that it's supporting us. We can know that it's it's nourishing us in a wholesome way. It actually nourishes us to help let go of these difficulties. So we... Explore, what does it mean to be present for these difficulties? What does it mean to be present for restlessness? Let's move more into talking about restlessness right now. Restlessness as a quality of body, you know, has a, this um, kind of jumpy feeling I talked about before. Um, the mental restlessness has this mental quality of feeling like it's hard for the mind to settle on any one thing. Again, not necessarily having to be a problem that these states are there. Sometimes this uh, this, this hindrance of restlessness is also, there's other words that are used um, to translate it. Anxiety is sometimes used. So that sense of f- um, um, feeling like not necessarily having a clear sense of something being particularly wrong, but just something needs to... The mind just feels like it can't rest because it feels like something is off. Remorse is another word that's sometimes used for this energy. So the mind, um, you know, thinking about the past, and the, um, going back to the past, of what happened in the past. And, oh, that wasn't so good, and I should have done that, and that, and that, and that. So the, the the quality of regret, or the sense of, hmm, that wasn't so skillful, that wasn't a helpful thing to engage in, the feeling that comes with that can be actually a helpful feeling for us, to recognize, hmm, that just didn't quite feel right, you know, that that wasn't a wholesome or good thing to do that was you know that that action was not helpful it created harm for myself perhaps it created harm for others and so there's a there can be a sense of okay that wasn't so helpful let me see if I can learn from that and move forward but often we don't just stop with that or recognize just simply yeah, that wasn't so helpful we're not so impartial in our analysis of that you know we 're not so impartial in looking back at what things we did that were unskillful we basically we we beat ourselves up you know we we tell ourselves we were stupid or or cruel or i mean we we bring a lot of judgment to that um, recognition and that 's in the terrain of this remorse you know that we our minds get lost in the past thinking about how we should have done things differently so again pulled out of the present moment by um trying to figure out how to relive a better past essentially you know a hopeless endeavor so the this um this movement towards the past is one way that this restless mind manifests you know this uh trying to figure out how should I have done that differently, as opposed to just simply recognizing that wasn't helpful, here I am now, how can I use that to help me step forward into the next moment? Let's not dwell on you know, how, how uh, horrible that was or how I could have done it in eight different ways. Here I am, how can I step forward knowing that wasn't so helpful? How might I approach this next moment more, more skillfully? So that's, um, that's a way of recognizing the feelings. So if we can actually meet the feelings that underlie that mind state of remorse, we can feel that, mm. that off feeling, perhaps a feeling of sadness. If we can meet those feelings, they, um, they don't take us away from the present moment. They're not pulling us out. So again, we're, we're aware, present, in the present moment. And in that exploration, too, we can begin to perhaps learn from that feeling. You know, if we're willing to hang out with that feeling, sometimes a more um, you know, kind of naturally out of that willing to be with arises a more uh, a wholesome wish for the future, a more um, kind approach for how to move forward. So the the willingness to be with feelings like that can support us in moving into our next act actions. Restlessness also goes into the future. You know, this is another form. You may in thinking about or exploring in your own experience, how do I experience a restless mind? Some people tend to go to the past with their restlessness, tend to think, how do I rearrange the past? Other people go to the future. How do I figure out how to make the future perfect? How can I, you know, that situation, how do I get there? And, you know, or thinking about how can I avoid some unpleasant thing? Or what are the eight ways that I can um, respond if this and this and this and this happen? That was, that's, that, that was a strong pattern for me. I projected into the future and saw, wow, all of these different things could happen and I need to be prepared, so let me think about that one and that's how I'll res- work with that one and I'll, think, I'll figure out how to do that one. And I spent so much time trying to figure out how to manage futures that never happened. It was a waste of time. And the other thing, too, that I saw is when a future that I envisioned did actually happen. You know, if it, if it happened that I actually recognized, oh yeah, that could happen, and it did, what I often saw was that whatever I told myself, well, that's how I'll be, that's how I'll respond, that's what I'll do, that's, that's what I'll, how I'll act in that situation, almost never could I do it. Because the situation was different. I mean, the, the, the feeling inside was different. The, me, the actual meeting of it brought up different things that I couldn't possibly imagine. So it was all pretty much a waste of time. <laughs> I mean, there is a place for planning. I'm not saying, you know, to never plan. But uh, begin to notice when that uh, activity kind of goes berserk. <laughs> we, we kind of get a little involved in our planning at times. And it takes us out of the present moment. So again, can we recognize that planning is happening? If we can be aware of it. And this is one, one beautiful um, practice around thinking. You know, we need to think in our daily lives. In meditation, if we're sitting in meditation, we can pretty much let go of our thoughts. You know, we're sitting in meditation paying attention to our breath and the mind remembers, oh, I need to do that thing, oh, let me think about how to do it. We wake up recognizing, oh, I'm, I'm sitting in meditation, I don't need to think about that right now. So we can let go of the thought and come back to the breathing. So when we're in meditation, we have that luxury. And I like to think of it as a luxury. You know, <laughs> It's a luxury, we can let go of those things. This half hour I've set aside to letting go. So thoughts come up, I can let them go. In my daily life I don't have that luxury. I do have to think. I have to remember I wake up. Yes, I'm coming to IMC this morning, okay? You know, I need to plan that. I need to, you know, it's not a lot of planning, but I need to think about that. Make sure I get here. So there is some thought. We have to engage with thinking in our daily lives. So part of an exploration around thinking and planning in particular Um, is to see, can I be aware of this while I'm thinking? And we have an idea sometimes that when thinking is happening, mindfulness can't be happening. And that's not true. We can be mindful while we're thinking. And one way to explore it is to uh, look at how does this thing I'm thinking about impact me? How How does it make me feel? So a plan comes up in the mind. How does it make me feel for that plan to be happening? So, connecting the mind's thought process with a sense of, or a connectivity with, a kind of, how is it for me to be thinking that right now? You know, a thought arises about an argument you had with a coworker. What happens? The feeling arises again. So if, if we can, rather than be embroiled or lost in the world of the restless mind, going out to think, and recognize, okay, thinking is happening, and how is that for me? That's a way towards being aware of the thinking mind, towards, towards bringing a sense of presence to thinking. So um, with restlessness, both the physical forms and the mental forms, it's possible to recognize its presence. Possible to be mindfully aware, this is happening right now. Sometimes using that phrase even, oh, restlessness is happening. Worry is happening. Remorse is happening. We can use that word as opposed to I'm feeling like I need to plan this, I'm feeling worried, I'm feeling frustrated, I'm feeling. If we take the I word out of it and just point to the to the, the what's actually happening right here and now is an experience is arising in the present moment, restlessness is happening right now. So if we can using that phrase even, is happening around any of these difficult energies, can sometimes help give a little bit of space, create a little bit of that space of non-reactivity of the mindfulness, to just allow these difficult energies. So this first part of of, of working with the hindrance of restlessness is to, just recognize that it's present. What are the many ways it feels when it's present? How does it feel in the body? What, is the, what happens in the mind? And there's a kind of a feeling, to me it feel, it's kind of a feeling in the mind, like I was saying, that mental energy, that mental jumpy energy. So what is the experience of restlessness? Getting familiar with that and perhaps acknowledging to yourself, okay. This is what's happening. Restlessness is happening. So, that's the first instruction the Buddha offers about all of these hindrances, actually. Get to know them. See if you can be aware, mindful, while they're happening. That's the very first piece that he suggested. Recognize their presence. The second instruction he gave, this one may be a little bit um, startling, but he said, recognize when they're not present. So, this one actually is more powerful than you might imagine. I've seen this be quite powerful, especially for patterns. I mean, we all, in naming those five difficult h- energies, the, the hindrances, some of you may have had a sense of being more familiar with some of them than with others of them, so for myself, the ill will version the ill will space very familiar it wasn 't so the, the, the wanting space the, the wanting to have pleasant experience that wasn 't so much familiar to me i 've gotten familiar with that the more i 've practiced, the more i 've become aware of the subtleties of my mind but my, my main movement in life wasn't to try to pull things towards me that were pleasant. It was to try to get rid of the unpleasant. If I just get rid of all the unpleasant, that will be what I want. doesn't matter. Just not this. Not this. Not this. If I get rid of all the things I don't want, then what we, what's left is fine. So my, my experience was very much, um, you know, Ill-will was very familiar to me, sense-desire wasn't so familiar to me. Restlessness was very familiar to me, that sense of jumpiness of mind. So we all have some kind of very familiar, more habitual um, relationships with some of these energies. And so the Buddha suggests to recognize when those are not happening, now the power of this, at least in my experience, the power of recognizing when they're not happening is that particularly when we have strong habits around some of them. So for me, around ill will in particular, you know, I just thought that was me. I was really immersed in ill will from many directions. You know, it was ill will, I, I was miserable, I didn't like people, I um, I was angry a lot, you know, it's like, well, it's always there. You know, some form of this ill will is like always there. I just believed it was always there. And in those rare moments, those rare moments when I wasn't experiencing something was wrong or bad or needed to be fixed or changed, if I was happy, the mind did something like, well, yeah, I'm happy now, but... I know that really what I am is miserable and angry. And so the, the, the mind didn't actually take in the fact that it wasn't there because the mind created this kind of continuity. It's like, well, it's not happening now, but I know that really what I am. So I, I, it's almost like bringing it in, creating it in the belief of its permanence. You know, there was a kind of a belief of its solidity. So the, those ones that we have strong habits around, habits and patterns around, if we can actually consciously take in, oh, restlessness is not happening right now. Ill will is not happening right now. It begins to poke holes in the solidity, in the belief in the solidity. And it is just an idea, the belief is a a way it's a it's a process in our mind that actually kind of it's the permanent making thing in our minds belief views ideas the the machinery of belief is the machinery of creating permanence in our minds so if um we recognize, I mean, it's just, it's just a machinery, it's just something, it's just a process. Believing is just a process that's happening. So if we can consciously recognize when these processes are not happening, it helps to poke holes in that belief that I am this thing. So it's incredibly powerful to recognize this absence of These difficult states, especially when they're familiar to us. So those are the first first two things he talks about. The next one is. So he says that restlessness. There is restlessness in me, or there's not restlessness in me. Understand that, and it is just understanding. I mean, it's. That, that first exploration is just recognize when it's there, kind of understand that, know that, be mindful of that, recognize when it's not there, just know that. So in this beginning to see, it's here sometimes, it's not here sometimes, as we begin to recognize that distinction, we begin to see how the transition happens from one to the other. How does it happen that it's here sometimes and it goes away. How does that happen? So that's the next thing he suggests looking at. So we understand its presence, we understand its absence. Well, actually, he, actually. sorry, I was, I was off. He said the next thing he suggests is understanding when it's absent, how it comes to be present. So that's the, that's the next one he suggests looking at. So we notice it's present, we notice it's absent, and then he suggests beginning to recognize what happens. It's not there. How does it come to be? How does it arise? So how does, and the phrasing here is a little strange. He says, one understands how there comes to be the arising of the unarisen restlessness. <laughs> <laughs> He understands how there comes to be the arising of the unarisen restlessness. So that's a little funny, but what it basically means is restlessness is not here, and so it's, it's absent. Restlessness is not happening right now, so it's unarisen. Restlessness is unarisen right now. And what happens we, you know, we may get a little bit hooked in an idea or a thought. You know, what happens to us? What happens in our minds? A thought appears in our mind. We're sitting in meditation. A thought: Oh, I have to go to uh, the San Francisco this afternoon. Oh, and I need to do that. Oh, and I need and that and that and that and that. That's where it moves from being not present to being present. So the suggestion is to, to get familiar with the conditions, the scenarios, the things that have us moving from the state where it's not there to the state that it is there. It doesn't actually just kind of happen um, like magic, you know, it's, it's not that, um, you know, it just kind of drops in out of the sky, you know. Restlessness is here now. It wasn't there a moment ago. There are conditions that arise, conditions that unfold in our own minds, in our own experience. There's a way in which our own minds buy into something that takes us towards restlessness. So that's the the example about the thought about San Francisco. Sitting here peacefully... May even recognize, oh, restlessness isn't present. And hanging out there and being with the breath. And then the thought, oh, San Francisco arises in the mind. Now it might simply be that we just notice, oh, that's a thought. I can let go of that and come back to the breath. So that's not particularly restlessness. That's just the arising of a thought and then it vanishes. We just watched the thought arise and vanish. But what might happen instead and we might be able to see a little bit of this is that there's the thought of San Francisco that arises and then it's like our mind just takes off like a shot from that thinking about you know maybe there's a little anxiety maybe it's a it's a it's a job interview in San Francisco so the mind creates the the situation of going to the job interview and the anxiety of that and phew there the mind has left the present moment so, we can begin to recognize how the mind creates restlessness. There are also other things perhaps, I mean, that would, that's kind of tracking in the present moment. That's, that's one of the... Um, that might happen in sitting meditation. We might be able to track how something arises from the non-arisen state. So, restlessness is not present, and how does it turn to restlessness? How does that happen? We might be able to see some of the steps in there and watch it happen and begin to see that um, perhaps there's some hmm, something uh, that's sticky in there, you know, some place in there, like the, the idea of a job interview and a little anxiety around that. You know, that anxiety may be the sticky bit that is what pulls us out of the present moment. So beginning to get a sense of where in the process do I actually get caught? What is the place that's sticky? And how can I maybe begin to uh, allow that feeling as opposed to needing to fix or change it? So that's, that's an exploration for us. Then another um, thing that we can begin to, to recognize, particularly around some of these hindrances, is if there are like larger conditions of our life out of which these um, states can arise. So restlessness, for instance, you might find uh, if you spend an evening um, watching television, that when you turn off the television, the mind feels a little bit agitated. You know, not so easy to fall asleep. So some larger conditions can also contribute to the, uh, the arising of these states. So just beginning to get familiar in your own experience. Well, when I engage in these kinds of things, or these kinds of things happen, then there's more, uh, more likelihood for restlessness. And sometimes we can't do anything about those conditions. But again, just recognizing that these states are conditioned. Actually recognizing that they are conditioned is also helpful because again, the we we tend to identify it's me that I'm restless, as opposed to, oh, here are the conditions. Yeah, right now actually, you know, the, the uh maybe I have to be rushing because um m- Somebody called me up and said, Oh, actually, you know, I told you that the plane, the plane leaves at 3 o'clock, but it actually leaves at 1 o'clock. And so, you know, there needs to be a, a moving more quickly. So sometimes we can't do anything about the conditions, but we can be aware, oh, it's just conditions. Of course the mind has to move more quickly here so that we don't have to, to take it so personally. So beginning to see how... All of these things are conditioned. is a helpful um, uh, letting go of the um, identification around some of these states. This is the um, Satipatthana Sutta, the four foundations of mindfulness. It's in the fourth foundation where he talks about working with the hindrances. And then I'll just mention briefly one other one, there's, there's two other, but I'll just mention this one other one. Um, how does there come to be the abandoning of the arisen restlessness? So that, that word, I've been reflecting on that word abandoning, and this is something I wanted to share with you today. Because I've always looked at that word and, and thought it... it um, you know, it had a kind of a funny feeling to me. It's like, well, when the Buddha talks about abandoning restlessness, he means to get rid of it. He means to push it away. And that was kind of how I had thought about it in a way. You know, this word abandoning had, had some odd connotation for me. Um, I tend to, I, I've tended to approach my, um, my practice through mindfulness And while I see, I do understand that being mindful, as I talked about a little while ago, if we're just mindful of states, of difficult states, they tend to abandon themselves. They tend to let go on their own. But we tend to take this word abandoning with a little bit of, I need to do the abandoning. I need to take the action to abandon it. It's kind of like, you know, here's this thing, I need to throw it out. And there is there is some um, exploration of how can I consciously um, let go of something that is challenging, like restlessness is arising. You know, how might I abandon this? What the reflection I made about abandoning is: what does abandoning actually mean? You know, when we think about abandoning, you know, we might abandon. Um, you know, a car that doesn't work anymore. You know, walk away from it. It's not useful to us anymore, so we, we abandon it. Or abandoning sometimes has the connotation too of, you know, like they, the word, um, and this is, this is a little bit of a uh, kind of a shock value for, for exploring the word, like we might think about what it means to abandon a child. Now, what does it mean we, we abandon taking care of that child? And so the invitation, one of the invitations I think in abandoning these states is to look at how, first of all, recognize that they're actually not that helpful to us. They're more like that old car. They're not so useful. You know, so it's okay to let it sit there and, and walk away from it. You know, it's not serving us so abandoning it in that way recognizing it's not serving us and letting it go the other i think encouragement for us in terms of this this word abandonment is to look at how have i been taking care of this difficult state how have i been nurturing restlessness how have i been nurturing ill will how have i been you know encouraging it along to, to see have we been actually doing that and there's more of that that happens for us than we realize you know i nurtured my ill will for a long time i nurtured that misery you know there was a sense of yeah that's me and it's like milking it for all it's worth you know that that feeding of that those unwholesome states that we can abandon so I think part of the encouragement about the abandoning is to look at, am I actually like encouraging this state in any way? Am I in any way encouraging restlessness? Am I in any way kind of believing it's helpful for me? So beginning that reflection, I think, is another uh, interesting exploration for us. Look at how am I actually, hmm. oh, there's my restlessness, oh, there's my ill will, let me take care of that. You know, not, not so helpful for us. So I've talked longer than I thought I would, but there's still a couple minutes if there's any, any thoughts or uh, comments about what I've said. In, and use the mic if you.
1: Thank you. Um, especially um, the, the one you mentioned, I've heard this before with an ally or too, and it really sinks in very much is looking not just the neg- negative aspects. In us, all the hindrances when they're rising, but not you know unrising on ones too. Yes, that that is amazing because I see that a lot around me too, not only in me. As I watch um, mothers with their children, it is so much bringing their negative things, you know, all the time, rather than looking also that there are this part in them which is. You know, so positive, yes. so wholesome, and and I see that more and more. I think it's very much cultural, religious, Christian upbringing. You know, looking at the sin all the time, yes, and and instead of seeing that that Buddha nature, uh, and that that is helping me a lot is, in my in my meditation. It now. is
0: very helpful, you know, to 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 kind of balance this yes. the, the, the the emphasis on. Oh, here's this difficult thing. I need to abandon it or, you know, do something about it or fix it or change it. It's like, okay, well, that's there. Okay, that's present. Oh, and now it's not. So to, to really take in the well, the wholesome.
1: Because originally, you know, I, my idea, my belief is that what they call Buddha nature is that the purity within mm-hmm. that I need to, to find, you know, the, the, and I want that purity. And then looking into it and, and whatever hindrances, like, get, you know, get out of the way so I can
0: see the purity. Yeah. And
1: yet, you know, it's just. It's like. Yeah. Yeah. So what, noticing
0: so when, nice. when the purity is obscured can be a form of purity in a way. So that's, you know, because we are recognizing, you know, without uh, reactivity. So we can, we can bring our wholesome qualities to bear on things when they're difficult. And that uh, supports the falling away of the difficulty. We don't have to create the purity, in a way. You know, it's the, And I think there's a reason why the Buddha spoke so much about the letting go, about the abandoning, because in the abandoning, the seeing of non-greed, non-aversion, non-delusion, I mean, just that very framing, non-greed, non-aversion, non-delusion, that is the purity. So the falling away of those difficulties more reveals that, the Buddha said, the mind is luminous, it's obscured, that luminousness is obscured by the defilements, by the hindrances that visit it. And so the more we can get to know, this is a good place to, to end, the more we can get to know those hindrances, not with the idea of, you know, they're bad, they're wrong, because that's just bringing in more impurity, but the more we can get to know them, the Buddha suggested understanding these visiting defilements, the more they naturally begin to fall away, revealing, leaving us with that luminosity, that beautiful mind. So thank you all for your attention.